0: Welcome to the Brave Church Podcast. Thanks for listening in today. Regardless of what you believe, where you come from, or what questions you might have, you are welcome here. We are a multi-site church based in the Bay Area and online. You can find more information by going to brave.church. Now thanks for joining us. We hope this talk helps you find and follow Jesus.
1: Hey, welcome to Brave Church. If you're joining us from Dublin, San Ramon, or online, happy Easter. He is risen. For those on campus today, we have our Easter Fest event for families to celebrate with an egg hunt, bounce houses, games, and so much more. So we're going to do things. A little differently today okay usually we have a giving time at the end but today after the gathering we've got so much stuff planned for our kids and our families so i'm going to point to it now so we can dismiss right after the last song now if you're part of this church community uh, we do our giving online at brave.church forward slash give um, as always just respond to giving however god prompts you and if you're a guest We're so glad you're here. We really appreciate the giving that comes in. It allows us to do everything that we do around here. And in addition to your regular giving, we just finished a three-month vision giving campaign. And you gave $200,000 towards the ministries and the projects that we started talking about back in November. And so I've got an exciting update for you. For those of you who weren't with us, our our vision is split into five vision lanes. And I'm not going to get too far into the weeds today. But here's a snapshot of what our church has generously given to, a snapshot of our five vision lanes. The first one is local. This is City Serve, Brave Compassion, Faith First, New Day for Children, and outreach events like Easter Fest and Orange Fest in the fall and and Christmas at Brave. Our next vision lane is national. This is Convoy of Hope, Trafficking Hope, Ark Church Planting, and Ministry to Pastors. And then our global mission lane, this is Aqua Viva Mexico missions, open arms missions, uh, Mexico missions. And then She is Safe. This is for human trafficking in India. Then our next gen area, we're focusing on our brave kids spaces this year. I've got some exciting stuff to show you about that in a minute. And then projects, we talked about brave music. We want to get some music recorded. Brave Music's going to be a thing this year. And then bathroom renovations in San Ramon, they just really need an update. So not much more to say there. Brave Kids Spaces. Let's talk about this. Okay, you guys ready to see some exciting stuff? Okay, we, we need dedicated and intentional spaces for our kids in Dublin and San Ramon because they're worth it. We think having an excellent and inspiring environment to raise up the next generation of Jesus followers is worth every penny. And so we love Brave Kids, and even if you don't have kids, I think you're gonna love this. So do you guys want to see the first look? Okay, check this out. So let's start with San Ramon. Um, you can see the outside has a bit of a refresh. You know, very clearly that's the Brave Kids building, and then this is the lobby where you come in. Um, you get your kids checked in, and then and then here's like another look at where you kind of check them in. So if they're younger, they go downstairs. If they're older, they go upstairs. Here's a look of what a classroom might might look like. And then this is their worship area. So this is where elementary has their large group worship time. Dublin, wow, that's is beautiful. Isn't that beautiful? I think that's amazing. So this is like kind of a, a refresh. Then you walk in, here's the lobby. You get them checked in. Another angle, just amazing. And then here's their large worship as well. This can hold... 120 to 150 kids before they then break into classrooms for their smaller group time. And behind this wall is three large classrooms. So we're just so excited. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for your consistency in giving. This church has far more vision than we have resources for. We are completely reliant and appreciative of our church family to make these dreams a reality and to do what we feel that God is calling us to do. So thank you, uh, give yourselves a hand because your giving every Sunday it means lives are being changed, people are finding Jesus and they're growing in their faith. And so if you're part of this church family, please continue and be faithful in your tithe. Now, I'm not asking you to give, I'm asking you to ask God what you feel led to give. Well, hey, today is our final week in our teaching series, What Jesus Stood For. And we've been considering what really mattered to Jesus, what Jesus wanted to be known for, what mattered to him. Because a lot of people have had issues with the church, but when you really get below the surface, the issues people usually have come to the surface at points when the church or its leaders have lost their way, or strayed from the things that mattered to Jesus. And so we need to be reminded of what Jesus stood for. Today, we're gonna talk about one of the most important things that Jesus stood for, and that's resurrected living, resurrected living. Um, Do you know that God has a vision for your life? Not just an idea, but an actual plan for your life. Look at what Jesus said in John 10.10. He said, the thief comes only, to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. This is what we celebrate on Easter Sunday, resurrection life, life to the full, dead things coming to life. But many, even Christians, don't live life to the fullest, experiencing all that resurrection is meant to be for us. If we're honest, many of us can think of areas in our lives that still feel kind of dead, like an unhealthy relationship, or patterns of thinking that aren't helping, or a bad habit that you just can't kick? Why is it that almost everyone would say that they want to live life to the fullest, a satisfying life, but so many people struggle to find it? Well, the answer is found in a paradox. A paradox is a seemingly absurd or contradictory statement or proposition Which, when investigated, may prove to be well founded or true. Um, You may not have heard of the paradox of resurrected living, but you've probably heard of some of these, like like failure leads to success, or or the only certainty is uncertainty, or the only constant is change, or, or social media isn't very social. The Bible teaches us principles that often include a paradox. For example, give and it shall be given unto you, or the first shall be last. We find rest under a yoke. Whoever humbles themselves will be exalted. We become wise by becoming fools for Christ's sake. Or, Or how about this? In our weakness, he makes us strong. Today, we're gonna look at the most important paradox, the paradox of resurrected living, because it was what Jesus stood for. And if we want to experience all that God wants for our lives, we must understand this paradox it's the only way you can truly live mark 8 35 it says for whoever wants to save their life will lose it but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it and so this is the opposite of what the world around us says we live in a culture of me what's in it for me my finances, my promotion, my pleasure, my rights, my future. But, but if you look at the teachings of Jesus, you find a completely different message. It's one of the most life-giving and freeing teachings ever, yet it's a paradox. So if you have your Bibles, if you want to follow along, we're going to go to Mark chapter eight, starting in verse 27, where Jesus is teaching his disciples about resurrected living. Um, have you guys ever, ever watched a movie that made a whole lot more sense after you saw the ending? Almost like you could rewatch it and experience it all over again now that you know the ending because there was this missing piece that, that everything now makes sense in a different light. That's kind of how resurrected living is. It makes a lot more sense after the resurrection. When we look back at the words of Jesus while understanding the sacrifice of Jesus, it just gives us so much more understanding. So now let's take a look. Mark chapter 8, verses 27 through 38. It says, Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the the way, he asked them, who do people say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Peter answered, you are the Christ. Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. He then began to teach them that the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the teachers of the law and that he must be killed. After three days, he will rise again. He spoke plainly about this and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and he said, get behind me, Satan. He said, you do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the son of man will be ashamed of him. And when he comes in his father's glory with the holy angels. Verse 27 through 30, you know, Jesus says, who do you say I am? He asks this question. And you know, there are always a lot of opinions on who Jesus is. So Jesus is about to clear that up. Then in the next few verses, he says, you don't understand God's ways. They only had people's ideas. See, Jesus is saying, because you're in this for your agenda, not God's agenda, you're you're not gonna get God's perspective. See, Jesus is getting ready to explain what it really means to be a follower of Jesus. Here, Around here at Brave, we talk all the time about finding Jesus and following Jesus because following Jesus sums up the Christian life. And so Jesus is about to explain what that life looks like. And he says it right here, verse 34, he, he starts off, he says, deny yourself and follow me. So to be a follower of Jesus, you have to say no to yourself and yes to his cause. Then in verse 34, after you've denied yourself and committed to Christ, he says to take up the cross. Now, now to us, the cross is jewelry, right? We decorate with it, it's, it's like romantic, we put it on buildings, but to Jesus and his audience, it symbolized Torture. The cross was like an electric chair. The, you take up your cross is to kill some stuff. Maybe for some, it's time to put to death some things in our lives. Do you struggle with anger? Uh, take up the cross of being healed from the wounds from which your anger is triggered. Are you controlled by an addiction? Take up the cross of asking for accountability and being willing to receive when you need it most. Is your heart hardened with bitterness because of some ways that you've been hurt in the past? Take up the cross of working through that pain and applying to it the same forgiveness that Christ has given you. Have you walked away from a relationship with God? Take up the cross of repentance. Crucify your pride and willingly admit that your way has led to death. Then Jesus changes gears. Now, before you freak out, and think about and think this is too extreme or something, okay? Here's the benefit. In, in verse 35, it says, he says, if you want to save your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life, you'll save it. Then he says, what good is it for you to gain the temporary and lose the eternal? In other words, you're gaining now, but you're losing your soul for eternity. There is a life beyond this lifetime. Don't wait too long to consider it. What is your life today building towards? It'll be gone in a vapor before we know it. Then in verse 37, he says, what would you give in exchange for eternal life? Now, the right answer is everything because you're gonna lose it all anyway. You can't take your money or your stuff or anything with you beyond the grave. Then in verse 38, he says, if anyone is ashamed of me and my words, In this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of Him when He comes in His Father's glory with the holy angels. Did you know that this is one of the reasons that we do water baptism? Next Sunday is Baptism Sunday. We can't wait. We have so many people to dedicate. I mean, before even Easter, 30 people decided to follow Jesus in the last two weeks. We are just blown away by what God is doing. And so Baptism Sunday is a declaration after deciding to follow Jesus to go public with your faith. It's a, that's why we say invite your friends, invite your family, invite your coworkers, because it's a moment for people to say, I'm not ashamed to follow Jesus. It's kind of like getting married, and putting on your wedding ring. You don't get married and say, well, you know, I, I, don't, I don't want people to know that I'm married, I'm, I'm, I'm a little ashamed. No, you're so proud, you're excited to wear that ring. So how do we fully embrace resurrected living? The book of Galatians actually mentions crucify three different times, the word crucify, to die. And each of these references tells us something different about how we need to die. In other words, there are three ways that we need to die in order to live. You can't have a resurrection without a death. And so that's what we're gonna look at today, three ways to die in order to live. And the first one, number one, is die to self. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ and no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Um, What do we need to die to? We might need to die to our perspective. This is how we see things and what we think is right. We may need to die to our agenda, thinking our plan is better than God's plan. We may need to die to our pain, the present and past memories of our pain. My mom was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis when I was 17 years old. And it's been a form of death that we live with as a family every single day, a slow death of her abilities and her freedom. Every single day she wakes up struggling to move and, and having a difficult time walking. It's hard for her to hold things. It's hard for her to keep her balance. She's losing her grip. She's losing her strength. Her vision is blurring. This illness affects every aspect of her ability to function. And so you, you know who else it affects? It affects her caregivers. It, it affects her family, her husband, her kids, Imagine being married to someone who is perfectly healthy and then seeing that taken from them and being told it's not just their problem, but now it's, it's become one of your problems. You see, if you, if you quit on them, you'll never forgive yourself. If you stay, it might feel like more than you can handle. As their world is shrinking, it's also shrinking yours. Illness is not the life or the cross that anyone hopes for. It's not the kind of death to self that anyone wants. But if you suffer well, if you suffer with God rather than without him, because you can suffer with God and you can also suffer without him. But when you go to God and you grieve the loss and you bring your sorrows to him, it leads to a gift. It leads to resurrection life, a strength and a clarity from within about what really matters. It changes you because it's, the more opportunities we have in this life, even the ones that we don't want, the ones that we don't ask for, the opportunities that, that feel like they're robbing us from something or taking something from us, even in the, in, in the worst opportunities that we have to suffer, we can take up the cross of Christ. And when we do this, we become more like Jesus. And our lives experience resurrection power, beyond what is temporary, beyond what is known in this life. Every day is an opportunity to take up our cross and to die to ourselves. 1 Corinthians 15, 31, it says, "Face I face death every day. Yes, just as surely as I boast about you in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So every day is a chance to face death. And the second place this phrase is mentioned in Galatians, the second way that we need to die is number two, die to flesh. The flesh is our harmful passions. This is the broken part of us. The Bible explains our sinful nature by pointing to things like greed and jealousy and anger and and pride. Well, in Galatians 5.17, it says, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. Then in in 5.24, it says, those who belong to Christ have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Listen, we all have passions and desires that don't line up with God's word. Listen, they don't have to define you. They don't have to become your identity. A few months ago, Pastor Marcy, my wife and I, we were uh, being interviewed at a youth event and she was asked a question about what defines her. Check this out.
0: You know, one of the things that I, I, this is not good, but... (laughs) What are the things, first of all, I'm very proud to be Mexican, but I used to use that as an excuse as why I had anger issues, why I, why I, was, I was hot and fiery, right? I, I used that as, a, as an excuse to be rude. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't great. That wasn't my identity. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't an angry person because I was Mexican or I was this. You, you then lose yourself, mm-hmm. whereas I, my identity is rooted in Christ. Um, and that is, I am a new person because of Him. All of those things are, and even some things in my past that had happened to me that I had no control over. I used to feel those defined me. Those things, those those ugly things, had defined who I was. And you found, and I found myself. You know, angry at a lot of people, not being able to trust a lot of people. Um, and I was very just cynical and angry and mean um, because I found my identity in something so ugly that happened versus, wow, no, I am made new. None of that stuff defines me. None of that even matters. Mm. I mean, it does. And I, you know, you work through those things. I'm not saying that I was like, yes, like all those things happen to me. <laughs> like, no. Um, but what I am saying is, none of that defines me.
1: We don't have to accept the parts of our lives that aren't really who God created us to be. We don't have to say, this is just who I am. I'm just this way. We don't have to rationalize. We don't have to make excuses for these parts of us. You don't have to get stuck in a lie. That's a very sad place to begin, if you think about it, that that you're stuck as the way you are. Because the this is who I am mentality basically is saying that you need to hold and protect who you really are, when in fact God is offering you a better version of your true self than you could ever come up with. When we crucify our false identities, we find our true identity in Christ. How do we do this? Well, there's lots of ways. One of the ways I do this, on the way to school with our girls, we listen to songs of worship, songs of truth, we, we take a break from the news, we take a break from Encanto and Peppa Pig, and we listen to songs of worship. Their kids worship, but I still like them. We sing songs of worship, we feed the spirit, and this leads to new feelings of joy and peace and trust. It sets a tone for your day. Another important way we overcome our flesh is by committing to a church family. One of the biggest problems with the idea that, that we can do our version of Christianity alone That it's just a personal relationship with us and Jesus and not a community thing. One of the biggest problems with this is how it completely disregards the fact that we need each other. Committing to a life-giving church, whether it's here at Brave or wherever it is, it's one of the most important ways that we experience this resurrecting power because we need people around us to encourage us and to remind us of the truth of who we are in Christ. The third way, the final way that we live resurrected is number three, die to the world. Galatians 6, 14, it says, may I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. We're not supposed to look like the world, but separate from it. Jesus said in John 17, I have given them your word and the world has has hated them for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is the truth. Jesus wants you to live life to the fullest. That's his motive. That's his hope for your life, a resurrected life. This doesn't happen when our greatest allegiance is to the comforts, of our cultural bubble. Following Jesus means we join a new bubble. It's not a Republican bubble. It's not a Democrat bubble. It's a kingdom bubble. And it encompasses the entire world. It's an allegiance to living under a new banner and a new name. It's a path that's less concerned with what we deserve. And it cares more about how we're gonna die in order to be resurrected. It means that we die to ourselves, we die to our flesh, and we die to our world. Jesus died and rose again, that we might be invited to a new way of living. And We're going to talk more about what this kind of life looks like next Sunday in our teaching series, Life Smart. We're going to the book of James, and we're going to see what a life of faith really looks like. And so if you're exploring faith, if you're growing in your faith, or if you're mature in your faith, you're not going to want to miss next Sunday. But let me share one more thought as we close. If you would, please bow your heads and close your eyes as we pray. Some of you came here today not knowing what to expect. Maybe you came for the Easter eggs, for your kids, for the party. Uh, Maybe you came out of obligation to someone that you love. Maybe you came by accident, like you were just driving by and you saw from the freeway that something awesome was happening up there and you don't know how you got here, but you're here. And you're here for a reason. The thing about Jesus is his presence changes things. There there isn't an argument that I can make that can convince someone to believe in God or to give their life to God or do anything that only the spirit of God can do. So before we close, if there is anyone gathering with us that is feeling compelled, if faith is rising up in your heart and you're ready to commit your life to Jesus, you're ready to die to yourself, to die to your flesh, and to die to the world, to pick up a new way of living. I would be honored to pray with you. If you you just keep your head bowed and your eyes closed, I want to pray this prayer and agree with it in your heart. Dear Jesus, I pray right now that you would, by your spirit, give me the faith to believe and begin this new journey, this new way of life. That I would experience all that I was created to experience, the life to the fullest that I was created for on this day. I now make you my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us for the Brave Church
0: podcast. If this ministry is impacting you, please consider giving to support what God is doing through our church. For questions or to get connected, please visit brave.church. We'll see you next week.